Hi, Emily. Sometimes when I do solo recordings, I like to leave her creepy messages. I actually saw one of your creepy messages when I was looking at the assets in the folder. It wasn't, it wasn't a creepy one, actually. It was very nice. It was really nice, wasn't it? it that was, was in one of the one, videos. And it did make me chuckle. I was like, I was oh, like, I wish more of my clients did this, but it just kind of gives me a little break through the day and it just giggle. Why not add a bit of joy in, right? Just feel like life's, life's better when you have some fun with it. Okay. Um, also, do you want to know a fun fact? I don't know if you're going to enjoy this fun fact, but, and Emily's also not going to enjoy that I'm telling you this fun fact, but I think because your name is Matt Rubus, one time Emily's brain mashed them into two and she called you Marcus. So you are known to us as Marcus now when we talk about Facebook ads. I mean, or today's thing, I'm like, yeah, chatting to Marcus. I think we should just roll with that now. I mean, it's not my favourite name, but it's not hugely offensive. Yeah, I mean, way to offend all I've the never, I've, I've had there, so man. many, like, renditions of Rubus, but never Marcus. Marcus has never been something that's come out of somebody saying my name wrong. <laughs> well, hey, I, I take pride in being the first. And, you know, I just, just felt it was sad that you didn't know about that within how we discussed you, you know? Not that we discuss you, but as in, anyway, just going on a tangent there. Let's yeah, begin the you need to rein me in if I do that, because I can go on tangents. Oh, uh, we love a tangent here. So you have here to rein me in, because I do rain a it in. Pash about ads, as you know. <laughs> oh, juicy topic, Facebook ads, ROI, woohoo. Okay, well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to Starting the Conversation. This is episode number 131. I'm your host, Alice Benham, here with this week's co-host, not Marcus, Matt Rubus. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you with us. I'm excited. I was going to introduce you as like, I don't know, Matt Rubus, the Facebook ads manager of Alice Bellum Limited, but then I didn't want to assume that you wanted to do it again, didn't want to give you a title. I mean, I'm definitely up for a chat, Alice. Great, great. Love that from you. Um, <laughs> so you're here on the podcast today as the Facebook ads manager behind the recent Selling When Your Service Space launch. Many people have been asking me over the last few weeks and during launch, who is it? Who's the mysterious ads manager? And first of all, I was like, well, I need to check he's not crap. So I'm not going to introduce you to <laughs> yeah. him yet. Yeah. And, you know, I've got to keep the suspense, get people to listen to the podcast. So this is your debut. The, the listeners have been waiting for this. And you are the first male freelance team member or any form of team member of Alice Benham Limited. How I feel, feel very, very special. I think it is very special. Yeah, I remember a conversation that we had and I was like, does it matter that I'm a guy? <laughs> I won't lie to you. I mean, what was I a bit disappointed that you seem the best person for the job and you're a male? I mean, I don't yeah. want to get myself in trouble with HR, but you know. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was um it was exciting to uh, we just started messaging, didn't we, on Instagram and I I don't do a lot of done for you anymore. But when I think it's gonna be fun, then mm -hmm. I'll open that door. So, I love that. I would say it's fun. I think we had a fun time. Sure. I had lots of fun because you just cracked on and did what I said. That's what we <laughs> Which like. Which is why if you got you great results. Keep <laughs> praising how great I was at the Facebook ads and not the fact that I turned up 15 minutes late to this recording throughout this episode. That would be amazing. Honestly, um, but... I was like, you were, ugh, the first ever podcast that I've been on, I was the host was late. <laughs> I swear though, Matt, like I am so... And I never do this. I know everyone says that when they do that. But anyway, let's not. No, let's don't worry. I'm not going to hold it against you forever. I know I it's not that. the norm from you. So thank you. It's all good. Just for the remainder of this recording. That's fine. You can have that. Right. Um, okay, <laughs> we'll we'll get to the, the Facebook ads chat, how we started that, where that came from, blah, 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 in the conversation starter. But let's start off with a bit of high-low, you know, just to get us get us ready, get us introduced. What do you want to begin with, high or low? Can be life, business, really big, really small, whatever it may be. I'm going to go low because I like to end on a high. I love that. We love to do that here on the podcast. Yeah. My low is, we've already spoken a little bit about this, is the not doing my own shit <laughs> mm -hmm. this week. And I've been really feeling it this week because I've been working with lots of clients recently that, are, that have just got awesome products and offers and funnels and I know that you hate that word 
that it's kind of like, I just want to be doing my own stuff. But it's, it's a great place to be because it means that, you know, if these guys go and look at my Instagram now, my posting and stuff hasn't been happening as regular as I would hope. But it's a kind of a good problem because I'm just really, really busy working with some awesome clients at the moment. But you kind of have to practice what you preach sometimes. So I'm kind of finding that struggle. This week has been a struggle with just really wanting to get that to a place where I'm happy with it. And ultimately, it might just be that I've got to just say that I'm going to outsource that. Mm-hmm. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because like you said, it is a very good problem to have. You know, you're so full on with client work that it doesn't feel natural or easy to prioritize your stuff. But it's that, it's that constant balance, isn't it? I feel like I've got weeks in my business where I don't do any working on and you just have to go, look, my priority right now has to be about delivery and client experience. So let's just go with that. But if your business is purely that, then, you know, where's your business going to be in six months? Because where are those clients going to come from and, and how are you going to grow things if you're only reacting to what's coming in rather than putting stuff out that, you know, changes the long term. So I feel like that's a constant balance and it always feels like it's off one way or another, doesn't it? It's never like, yep, I've nailed it this week. No. I've done both perfectly. And especially when you take on your first client, literally like, I don't know, when was it? March. At, right at the start of lockdown mm-hmm. and COVID and all of that kind of stuff. It's just, it's probably me. And th- this, is a, a, this is a low for me is that putting more pressure on myself than sometimes I need to. And actually just riding that wave and just being happy with actually, you know, things are good. And that's next step, you know, you will get there. But it's, it's um, I, sometimes I, you know, bite off more than I can chew. And I love that stress though, that's the thing. And I know yeah. that sometimes I'll take something, I'll always deliver, but I'll take something on because I kind of thrive on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I totally feel that. And I think my low would be feeding off of that quite well, that I had this realization the other evening and this episode's coming out in a couple of weeks. It'll be even less time at the point where people are listening to this, that for me, there are nine weeks left working of this year. And I don't know what it was about that that freaked me out, but I think I thought I had a good like three and a bit months. I mean, I understand the fact that we're in October and I do know the months of the year, but when I was looking at the time to come, I think I just didn't process that it was literally two months or even two months to me sounds like a lot of time. Whereas when I go, oh, eight and a half, nine weeks, my brain's then like flip. How are we doing all of these projects and meeting all these deadlines in that time? And I don't, actually feel stressed about when it's all going to get done because my calendar you know everything's mapped out everything's time blocked in but flip I really thought we had some more time in 2020 which is 50% stressful but then 50% like no actually I'm ready to wave goodbye to this absolute shit show of a year yeah yeah exactly and let's PMA positive mental attitude for next year we'll see it's probably going to still be going into the start of next year isn't it as like you've said it's very very close Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in my head, it hits midnight on New Year's and there's not a pandemic anymore. But I need to, I do need to mentally prepare myself that that is obviously not how it's going to go. And it's going to, you know, it's going to be. Yeah, gonna I don't want to be negative, ride. but I want to just manage our expectations there. <laughs> <laughs> it's needed. It's needed. Also, I love PMA. I really thought you were going to say PMS. So I feel like PMA is like the perfect PMA. opposite of that. I'm here. I, I, I feel like I say that a lot. Uh, on the assumption that a lot of people know what PMA is, but more often than not, they don't. So that's why then I said PMA, positive mental attitude, just in case those that are listening don't know what PMA is. And I mean, the person who is hosting also needed to know what it was. So I appreciate you doing that. And I do the same all the time because what makes sense to you doesn't always make sense to others. There were times where we'd be on calls, I remember it, and you'd say these words and I'd literally go. I know. Matt, I've never heard of that before. I know. But I remember like when we had our first call, I started off with saying, I'm really, really sorry if I sound patronizing and I go into too much detail Mm -hmm. because I I can go really technical and then assume that people know what I'm talking about because I know it inside out. And it's like, "Mm, no, you're gonna have to strip that back a little bit, so. I'm pretty sure I just said that, like, patronise me, Matt. Assume that I've genuinely never thought of or looked at or understood Facebook ads before, which is very accurate to my past experience. Um, <laughs> what would your high be? I mean, I feel like you could turn that low into a high if you wanted to do that, or would there be something separate? I mean, the high has just got to be being on this podcast right now, right? Oh. Although you ruined it because you were late, so I can't use that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there it goes again. <laughs> 
that's the last dig of the episode. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that last dig. It was very well deserved. I mean, I it genuinely is my biggest pet peeve is people that are bad at time management because, and I realize I'm a hypocrite for saying this, but it's fine. It's fine. We all make mistakes. I think when you like, when people don't put stuff into their calendar and then forget about it or just don't turn up, I'm like, you are valuing your time more than you are valuing mine. And my time is my most precious thing to me. So that really pisses me off. But the thing is I never show it. I'm always so like, no, no, it's fine. I'd like, I don't care about people canceling right beforehand. If a client's listening, you can always cancel a call. Like I'm chill. It's when I'm sat on the Zoom and I'm just sat there like, great. I could be doing 20 other things right now, but no, you're not organized enough for that. You know? When do you get that? What's your kind of cut off? Like say you are sat on Zoom waiting, like how many minutes do you wait until you message the person to say, are you coming? Oh, five minutes. Yeah. If that, I'd say three to five minutes. I'm sending a text. I'm sending an email, which is partly why I'm like, Matt, you were 15 minutes and then you messaged me. Well, what? That's so long. Uh, well, no, actually, I did message you on Asana, but uh, okay. I, I, I did think that probably wasn't the best Not the channel. Um, so then What's just... your cutoff for like, I'm just going to go? I feel like mine's like 10 minutes. If someone takes 10 minutes and then I'm just like, nah, I'm going to go do something else now. I, I, I'm a little bit more lenient. I'd go 15. <laughs> but so it, I guess it depends on the day. Like, I try and manage my diary in a way where I can have a bit more of a chilled Friday. Mm-hmm. So I don't have like stacks and stacks on today. I mean, I'm going to be busy, but not where it's like calls and meetings and things. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of depends. But absolutely, yeah, 15 minutes is like, I've kind of got other stuff to be doing. Yeah. It's not all about you. Come on. My favourite thing is to see how much admin I can get done when I'm sat in people's Zoom waiting, waiting rooms. Waiting rooms, yeah. Because you're all, like, it's always a couple of minutes, isn't it? So I'm always like, write a couple of Instagram DMs, a couple of emails, do some file management. I think if I was sat in Zoom rooms all day, I'd be about 10 times as efficient. Yeah, I you'd you get loads real pace. <laughs> <laughs> you Actually, you're, you're kind of like, yeah, thankful that you some of these people are late because you're like, right, okay, let's just get these DMs yeah, done. Let's get ahead on things. <laughs> I think my high would have to be, I mean, because of the theme of this episode and I mean, what a high it was, I would have to say the high was the launch of Selling Me Service Space. You know, it's no secret if anyone follows me, it was a very challenging launch. There's Facebook, not Facebook adverts, what? It's just on my brain, man. Um, YouTube videos where you can see a very raw insight into what launch looked like. But as a whole, now it's done. I, it, For me, it's always a thing of during launch. I'm like, why do I do this? I'm never gonna do this again. And then a week later, I'm like, Emily, when should we do the next launch? That was so much fun. I'm really excited to do that again. So I'm in that phase and I'm getting to deliver it, which is the best part. I mean, launching is fun, but the delivering it is the bit where I actually go, okay, I'm enjoying this now. Is it week one this week? Yeah, yeah. week number one, it's fresh. So I always, well, I hate the first week actually. So I'm just turning this into a low. I don't know what it is. The first week of anything, any program or the first session of any coaching, whatever. I'm just, it's awful. I'm awful. This is crap. Every word I say is useless. People hate me. And then it seems to just completely go by number two. But yeah, number one's a- Just warming up into it, you know? But I'm sure that's not the case. From what I've seen, Alice Benham. I appreciate that. Thanks, Matt. Right. Shall we get into the juicy stuff? Because already we're just getting ahead on the Facebook ads chat. It's what the people want to know. Shall we bring it? Let's bring it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. So a lot of things to talk about here, but I feel like we should start at the start. So I, and you know this better than anyone, Matt, have previously been very sceptical of the use of Facebook ads. I actually used to share a co-working space with two of my friends who run Facebook ad agencies. And I would spend so much time just telling them how awful I thought Facebook ads were and how much I didn't think they fit with my style of business and bless them. Like they would really, really try and convince me otherwise. And I have had to issue apologies since now that I've changed my opinion. But I think for me, that came from a place of always seeing ads being done in a way that didn't For me, I'm not judging those that use them, but when I look at my values and the way that I want my brand to feel, they never aligned with that. And I think I saw it as this really extreme of you either don't use ads or you use ads in this way that feels super icky, super salesy, super pushy, and that's not something that I want. 
And then I think I was beginning to come around to the idea of trying it because I thought, well, well, people must be doing them for a reason. They obviously work. I don't want to be dumb and limit my business's growth just because of my stubbornness and my judgment that has no evidence behind it. So I think I was warming up to the idea. And then did it start because you DM'd me? And then I think I looked at your profile and you did Facebook ads. And I was like, funny you should message. Yeah, you put a story up. I've been following you for quite a while, just lurking. And I actually found you because I was starting to look at my pricing for my coaching. And mm-hmm. I Googled like coaching prices or whatever. And you right. picked up to find your website. Hello, SEO. So good job on your SEO there. Never um, done any work on it. Then love the aesthetic. <laughs> then got onto Instagram because that's my main channel that I like to use. And then following mm-hmm. you. And yeah, there was that one. I can't remember what the post was now, but I messaged you on your one of your stories. And then we just started chatting about ads, didn't we? Yeah. And I think I just lay it on the table of like, look, Matt, I don't believe that Facebook ads could work for me. But you know what? I'm at a point where I'm looking forward to being proven wrong. And I think just the conversation that we initially had and the amount that you got where I was coming from, you know, I felt in the past that people didn't acknowledge that Facebook ads could be done in a way that wasn't value driven. Whereas you were straight up like, yep, no, I completely get where you're coming from. Completely appreciate that you want them to feel, you know, fit in with the way the rest of your online presence feels, but you were pretty like strong with pushing back on no, but they can work for you. And then we jumped to a call and that was the part where kind of, it was, it wasn't you pitching it to me, but it was a lot of me pushing back and questioning and you just being quite like, okay, here's the way we could do it because of that objection you've come up with and, and here's what that would look like. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I, just, I mean, it's, a lot of people will call it sad, but I genuinely love Facebook ads. I and, would call that sad. And, um, and, and I just got passionate about it in your DMs, didn't I? And I just said, look, you, I know that you're really not feeling the kind of like pushy sell side of it. I can show you that this doesn't need to happen. And the best way of doing that is just like, let's just, just jump on a Zoom call. And I think for me, you get, you've got a lot of different type of media buyers, advertisers, whatever. You have those that go into it where it is just, I'm an, I'm an advertiser, I'm marketing a product, sell, sell, sell. Whereas my background is actually in organic and growing organic strategies in, in big corporate businesses. And I stepped away from that a few years ago. So I've always got my kind of value nurturing all of that side and pushing that in through an ad too allows you to basically grow your business predictably and profitably because now we've got data and we'll probably talk about that a bit more um, around that, mm-hmm. how, how you can now scale what we've done but for me you know you've got a cookie cutter ads manager or you've got one that will say actually I can tailor this completely around your business and the way that you want to do it and Hopefully that's what we did with your ad. That is what we did. And it took that for me to trust you because it, and I don't say to trust you and like, you know, I I didn't in the first place, but I think when you're allowing someone to have control of your brand, especially when you're used to always being fully in control of that, you know, with my Instagram audience, I have total autonomy over what they see, when they see it, how it comes across. It felt like I was giving some of that control away and as a bit of a probably self proclaimed control freak or actually I think most business owners are because you have to care I think knowing that you weren't just going to do this cookie cutter approach and you were going to really apply it to my business and my values was really important to me so I remember in that first call you walked me through like almost the the skeleton of how you would, would imagine Facebook ads being used for a business like mine and I'd imagine it would be the same for a lot of the business owners listening so I remember really clearly remember one big thing that you said is that Facebook ads are best when they are part of a, insert word that Alice hates, funnel. I'm coming around to the idea of funnels being value driven. I still refuse to to use them unless they're needed. However, you made this point of, you know, your Facebook ad isn't necessarily going to be very good if we just immediately promote the group program with it. What it's going to work well as is a way to get people into this funnel where then there's something free that then acts as kind of almost this like launch pad for the paid thing. And that was immediately where I was like, nope, you know, barriers up. I don't want to do the webinar thing. People do these webinars where they sell at you for an hour. It's so icky. That's not for me. 
But then again, you almost pushing back a bit and being like, okay, well, let's figure out, you know, how we apply this to you. That's, I think, when the penny dropped in my head of, oh, well, maybe I could do a challenge because for me, challenges are a lot more value driven in terms of actually them being filled with value. Can you talk people through kind of what that structure is in terms of how Facebook ads play? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's funny now because I remember like since the more that we've spoken mm -hmm. around all of this and your kind of like hate for the word funnel, I remember on my first, our first call, I, I screen shared and said, so this is the funnel that I propose that we use. <laughs> <laughs> you must have died inside a little bit. I'm like, great. So this isn't going to work out, but nice to chat. <laughs> <laughs> this is just not going to work. End call. For me though, I, I get the whole funnel word thing being icky. I, I, I've, thought about dropping it in what I do, but actually what I want to do is get out or and educate what funnel actually means. And I think it can mean lots of different things to different people. But essentially it is bringing somebody that doesn't know about you. It doesn't necessarily need to be somebody completely cold, but it just brings them closer to you and your product and your service and turns mm -hmm. them into a buyer or a repeat buyer. You refer to that a lot as a customer journey, I think. Yeah, yeah, the buyer's journey. And actually that's something that happens organically. You know, my Instagram followers are in a funnel. Absolutely. It just is a more, you know, it's an organic one or even podcast listeners. It's a, it's interesting because when you actually break it down, you're like, oh, that isn't something icky. Or it doesn't have to be icky. And Facebook ads are just about almost getting more people into that. If you think Instagram or a podcast, you're relying on growth that's quite out of your control. When you build a funnel with Facebook ads, you're just being able to have a lot more autonomy over how many people are in it and therefore what numbers are gonna come out of it. Exactly, yeah. So that, that's exactly what a funnel is. And you know, like the, the picture of a funnel, an upside down triangle, it's bigger at the top and smaller at the bottom. And that's mm -hmm. because we use things like ads or, you know, you've just referenced this podcast or Instagram, there's going to be people that come into the top of that funnel that don't know you. But what ads allow us to do is bring more people in, in a more yeah. predictable way and bring more volume in. So then obviously you've got the that volume at the top and then they filter down and, and we use different targeting and different creative and messaging throughout that funnel to nurture them until they then convert at the bottom. Yes. So the structure that we used was Facebook ads were primarily, we did use them a bit for the actual launch of the program, but if we just look at how they worked in getting people into the funnel, we were using Facebook ads to promote the free challenge. And then I was giving value via the free challenge. And then that led into doors opening for the program on the Friday. And we, we kept saying, didn't we? Like, we're just using this to learn because I'm sure you see it, every single client is different in terms of how much it costs per, is it cost per lead is the word? And then we didn't know how many people were gonna convert from the program, but it's like you said, that predictable growth, you don't get that anywhere else. And that's such, you know, to then know, oh, okay, I can plug this much money into the start of the funnel and that gets this many people out buying. That's not something you get with any other type of marketing. Absolutely not. And that's why it's so powerful. But you have to know what you're doing. And like what you say a lot of the time is, is that you, you've been running your business for ages on an organic model. And mm. you've proven concept. You have your funnel or your buyer's journey already. And what yeah. we've then done is just maximise that by filling up with more people using money essentially so my advice to those listening is if you are at a point in your business where you uh you want to you want to start to grow it but there's certain bits that maybe aren't working right now facebook ads will not fix that yeah they don't solve your problems they will not solve the problems they will just enhance something that you've already got but if you don't have a good offer you don't have you don't know who your audience is all that kind of standard marketing stuff you don't mm. know any of that stuff just switching on an ad is not going to grow your business and you'll end up throwing a lot of money down the drain yeah i'm so glad you've said that because definitely in reflection i i don't feel like i should have done ads any earlier 
I felt like it was the perfect timing because this particular program, I'd launched it with success organically before. So I knew who it was for. I knew what the messaging points were. I had evidence that it was good. You know, I had all of the foundations there. I had it working organically. And then we could use ads almost just to put that on steroids and be like, okay, let's just put that to a bigger audience and to a wider audience. So I'm really glad you said that because I often see Facebook ads presented as a solution to your problems or something that's going to fix your marketing. Whereas I think especially for small businesses, you know, get it working organically, then think about using ads to just 10 times, 100 times, however many times money you want those numbers. Absolutely. The only other time I would say that you could use ads is if you had a shitload of cash and you wanted to like test or like prove a concept and you can just get a load of traffic running through the top of that funnel and just and just test it on the basis that you are happy at the end of that test that you might have just lost a load of money because what you're trying you don't actually know if it works because you've not tried to grow that in in an organic way um with your current audience Yes, no, that makes a lot of sense. So let's have a talk about timelines because one of my reflections is that adding Facebook ads into the mix did make the timelines longer in the sense that usually I wouldn't be finalizing any of the sales pages, the copy, the content until it was needed organically. Whereas because you would have to, you know, create the copy, optimize I literally was about to list what you do as if I knew what any of it meant. Create the ads, whatever you do within that, all the audience. You have. definitely know a lot more than you're letting on or that you think. So you, you crack on. Thanks, Matt. You had to do all of that beforehand, obviously. So a lot of those assets were needed earlier. And I'm, I'm not saying that as a negative. I guess I'm sharing that as a learning point. Because to anyone listening, you know, if you're adding Facebook ads in, it is another element number one, in terms of things we needed earlier, but number two, it is then more content because you needed specific graphics and videos, which I wasn't gonna use organically, so they were added in terms of the to-do list for the launch in order to do that. Now, touching on that, because this was something that really stood out to me, my instinct with anything is like, let's go as high quality as we can. You know, this podcast, we're recording on either end, we're not together, but we've got the most, you know, high quality audio as we can, my YouTube, videos, I pay someone to edit them. So they're really great looking. It's actually almost the opposite with Facebook ads, right? Like that shiny, perfect look isn't necessarily what you want to be going for. Definitely not. So Facebook doesn't like ads looking like ads. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it is a social media channel, and they want people there or the people that are there are there to engage, to interact with their friends and family, to laugh at dog memes, cat videos, whatever it is, entertainment. They're not there to be advertised to. So when you have a really flashy, high produced creative, it actually doesn't resonate as well as something a little bit more raw. So that's what we spoke about, wasn't it? I said, you know, just do videos of you on the sofa, like just talking to people like you do organically. And mm. um, that's going to really resonate more than having all of this kind of high end post production stuff that that just doesn't doesn't really work. Oh, I mean, it, it does work, but it's just not needed. So, you know, if, if you are a business that is looking to start to use Facebook ads, you don't need to be thinking to yourself, oh, God, I've got to have this editor and this equipment and this and this and this. Your iPhone just walking down the street, taking a video of yourself or whatever, it will work. I feel like to most people that's music to their ears, whereas to me that's like, oh my gosh, I'm not allowed to make it super shiny and yeah. professional. Yeah. And something that definitely surprised me, which I think I told you about at the time, was how actually weirdly insecure I felt about the ads. And I think for me that came from, you know, with your organic audience, you know they've chosen to be there. You have chosen to follow me. So any you know, my face is not a shock to you and you can opt out of that. And that's not something that you're not expecting. Whereas the sudden feeling that my face saying, maybe, you know, speaking in a slightly more salesy way than I would naturally was being put in front of people that hadn't chosen to see it. Suddenly, like it just brought up this insecurity that I wasn't expecting. And it's absolutely not a reason not to do it. But again, for anyone thinking of doing it, just an interesting thing almost to expect is it is a 
bit of a change on that end. And there's things that you can control, right? In terms of, you know, we don't want people to be seeing the ads every time they log in. We don't want them to see every single one 10 times because that was a worry of mine, wasn't it? Of like, oh, but I don't want to irritate people because I guess for me, that's what part of that value-driven you know, value-driven ads for me means people not being like, bloody hell, Alice, get off of my Facebook again. Here you are. Yeah, absolutely. Two points there. I remember saying to you, but you've got a great product and people out there don't know you. So you're doing a disservice to them and to you by not mm. putting yourself in front of them. The way you do that, yeah, okay, if you did it in a really horrible salesy way, then that's going to annoy people and that's going to, you know, make you feel more anxious because you didn't do it in that way. You did it in a way that was comfortable and true to you and your brand. Then you showing up in people's feeds, they're going to be thankful for that because then they went on to see what you, you can do. And, and a lot of people have, have now come on board because of that. Yeah, that's so true when you frame it in that way. Yeah. So frequency is actually a, a measure in, in Facebook ads, which is a key one really to to keep an eye on so that's a column in the ads manager um, and that allows me to see how many times per day somebody was looking at your ads so you know we had that conversation because I think so you you'd got messages in you about people that kept seeing you pop up yeah people were saying like I just I don't think they meant it as a compliment obviously yeah, yeah. like oh you're doing so well you're everywhere and I'm reading that and going I'm I was like I'm so sorry <laughs> Let me fix that. I don't don't (laughs) want you to be seeing my face all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's where the frequency comes in and keeping an eye on that. And that never went anywhere above what we were concerned about. So Mm. it's all things like that. But also that that is why it's important. And, you know, going back to your initial point around the time taken to put all of this together, you could have sent me one image, right? But that means I'm giving Facebook one opportunity to find the right people that are, you know, your perfect client. So, you know, I asked for images, I asked for video, I asked for just plain graphics because a big part of Facebook is also the testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what it helps with is ad fatigue. So, okay, somebody might have seen that video, but then the next time they might see an image, they might then see a graphic. So it helps with the kind of variation. So you don't get that ad fatigue but also um, it gives Facebook way more opportunity. So we'd look at a number of different audiences and a number of different creative to make sure that, you know, I was giving Facebook as much opportunity as possible to find the right people and its machine works that out and we'll never know really what it's doing because it's just a monster. It's just doing its thing. Let's talk about some of those stats then and the data, because like I said, we went into this you know, not knowing how it was going to go. We didn't have the ability at the start to go, yep, you know, you can say if you put this much money in Alice, you're going to get this many people in your paid program because that's something that is so dependent on, you know, all of the factors outside of the Facebook ads. You know, now that we've done it, we can look at the next launch and see, okay, you know, we're spending this much to get people in. This was our conversion rate. This is, you know, therefore how much we're paying per person. We'll talk about the actual numbers in a second. What, like, talk people through what actually are those numbers that are important? So I guess it's the numbers to first get people into the challenge and then the numbers of the conversion from there. Absolutely, yeah. So again, you need to know these numbers to be able to scale. So when you have these numbers, and like Alice has said, you won't know these necessarily to start with. I mean, you could have run a challenge before organically and you'd have some numbers from there, but this was a kind of whole new funnel um, that we were trying. So yeah, it's looking at, okay, how much is it costing us to get somebody opting into the challenge? What we also wanna look at right there though, is the cost, so we call that a lead. That's a lead, somebody that's said, okay, I'm interested in in exploring this a little bit further, but they've not actually paid any, any, not bought anything yet. So that would be someone signing up to your free challenge, signing up to your workshop, your webinar, downloading your free PDF, whatever the freebie is. It's the actual, it's not the act of going to the sales page, because I think that's what I thought a lead was. A lead is then, you know, the exchange of the email address to actually get them to take action. Absolutely. Yeah. So something of value. And, you know, you'll see a lot of gurus out there that are offering really crappy 
free things just to get the email. That's not what this is about. It's about actually providing genuine value mm-hmm. to bring somebody in, but, but doing it properly. So then what we want to look at is the conversion on the landing page, which yours was insane. It was 90%, which is like bloody brilliant. So of the people that land on that page, how many of them are then opting in and becoming a lead? So if that's really low, we've got problems with the landing page. Mm-hmm. For those of you that aren't familiar, landing page is different to a website because it's just got one very focused call to action. There's nowhere to go. There's no links. There's no distractions. It's here's where you need to put your email address to get this challenge webinar, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was, again, a learning curve for me because I always look at my website as this journey and I'm thinking, oh, but what if they want to go somewhere else? But like you said, that conversion rate, like that is the figure at that point that you want to be focusing in on. And honestly, Matt, anytime that you tell me that the stats we got are like either above average or really good, I'm just like, yes, I'm so proud. Cause I yeah. feel really proud of my audience for that. Like, yes, you are a good audience. Yeah, honestly, like just massively above benchmark across the board. And um, if you don't have a landing page right now and you have a normal website, it's not the end of the world. You can look to, you're just looking for that conversion event really. So if it's like a, a contact submission or something like that, that's where you want to kind of focus on. So don't think, oh, I've got to go and create all of this stuff. It is a no. recommendation though, if you want to really optimize and get the best bang for your buck. Yeah. And I didn't have a separate website in Squarespace. You can put a piece of code into a certain page that takes off the header and the footer. So didn't even have to make anything different. Just put a bit of code in there and you're good to go. So then touching on audiences, something that I found interesting when I was looking back at the stats and we were having conversations about how it was going was that Facebook ads were actually doing a really good job at getting people who were on the edge of my audience who maybe weren't going to opt in via my organic content to opt in. I think I didn't expect that. I thought Facebook ads, it's going to be completely new people to me. They're all completely cold. And we did target those people and we, we still have people joining the challenge from that group. But actually, I wasn't expecting it to do such a good job at almost tipping people in who were just a little bit too on the edge to do it organically. And that for me is such a win because I don't like pushing, I don't like selling. So actually the Facebook ads allowed me to keep my organic content, keep this podcast, keep my Instagram account pretty value led. I wasn't pushing the challenge a lot because we were using the Facebook ads to go to my current audience as well as new ones. And it was doing the conversion for them as well. Absolutely. So going back to that funnel, we have different ads for different parts of the funnel, as I said right at the beginning. So the top of the funnel, that's cold people. So we use interest-based targeting and lookalike audiences for that. So next time that you run ads, you'll have enough data now to create a lookalike audience. So that's of your leads that we've generated this time, we can create a lookalike audience. And usually those are the best ones once you've got enough data. Mm -hmm. You can't do those right off the bat. So going then into what you've just said about social and your current followers, that's our middle of funnels. That's people that are a bit warmer. So there we create custom audiences at that level and we can retarget people that have engaged with you on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever it is that you have an audience, we can create a custom audience of those people and retarget them. And then we can change the messaging accordingly, which is what we did. So we had slightly different copy for those people that already knew about you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the stat is for Instagram, but Facebook, if you've got a Facebook page, only 1% of your following will actually see your organic stuff. So it's always worth retargeting warm traffic with ads too. Mm. And they already have, you know, they've already moved their way through that buyer's journey funnel, whatever you want to call it, a little bit. So actually the ad doesn't need to be doing too much. It just exists to kind of go, hey, I know you already know of me and my impact let me bring this thing to you. And it's, you know, was that, we had really good conversion rate with that group, right? Yeah. We'll get to the numbers in a sec. We'll do the full numbers. (laughs) And then is there a third group? Yeah, so the third group is what we, was more our bottom of funnel. So we did a little bit of straight into your course, retargeting people that had actually taken part in the challenge. Mm -hmm. So that's our hottest audience, obviously, because they've gone through that five day challenge with you you know, they're just ready and waiting. And we got a really good return on your ad spend on that audience too. 
Cool. Let's do some of the numbers then, because I'm sure people are sat there like, come on, tell me the real stuff. So our total spend on ads was about £650, right? So that's not what it cost for your management. That's what it cost to, like, that money went directly to Facebook, and that was what we actually spent on those ads going out there. Roughly how much of that was to get people into the challenge? Because that's where we put most of the budget, right? Yes. So the people coming in right at the top, the total spend on that was £557.38. Mm-hmm. And what, can you give people a couple of the conversion rates? So for that cold audience and then for the warm ones who already knew of me. So this is how much we spent per person to get into the challenge. Yeah, so of the 557.38, you got 293 leads and that then calculates to £1.90 per lead, which is like brilliant. So benchmark, you're looking anywhere, it depends on the industry and the products and things like that, obviously, but you wanna be anywhere between like three to six pounds, mm -hmm. two to six pounds. So smashed it. smashed it. So we had just under 600 people actually join the Facebook group. We had a far bigger number than that. Well, we had about 200 people who signed up but never joined the Facebook group. So I'm ignoring them. So we had about 50% were from organic, 50% were from ads. And from the just under 600 people we had in the challenge, we had, I think, 68 directly converted from there to the paid program. So that I think is a 12% conversion rate. So even if you do it off of those numbers, if you look that we paid on average £1.90 per person in the challenge and roughly one in 10 paid £295 for the full program, we pretty much spent just looking at the challenge itself without knowing, okay, you know, how many of those 300 were the 68 that signed up? Annoyingly, we could look at that, but I think it would take loads of data and can't quite be bothered at this point. We pretty much spent 19 pounds to get 295 pounds back. Yeah, and that's just, so the numbers I've just given you are on cold. Your warm audience was actually coming at 49p, which is what you'd you look expect. Look at you guys, you listeners, you're so <laughs> cheap, I love yeah, it. You, yeah, you don't have to spend a lot for those guys that are already loving you. Um, but you still not well. spent, you didn't spend a lot on your cold audience, really. And yeah, the, the overall, the overall here um, in terms of the ads. So with the, with the reporting that I've done for you, it's based off of a 28 day attribution window. So somebody will see your ad and then I, it will report back then if they went on to purchase. Obviously, between that time frame, they could have seen emails from you, organic posts, you know, this is where you need to look at this as a, a holistic approach. It's not mm -hmm. kind of, it's just about ads or it's just about organic. And that's where you're going to really maximize results is when you're like, actually, these, all of these things come together as one. And I don't really care what each one is doing, providing that my overall marketing strategy is working. Yes. It's like a little ecosystem, isn't it? Where everything's playing its part. Yeah, exactly. So um, 34 purchases came off of the the ads, uh, which equated to just over £6,000. So that's a 9.5 return on your ad spend. Mm -hmm. And that's without thinking about the people that, you know, were then on my mailing list and they bought it via that or they bought it by the link in my bio, but maybe the ads was what first got them connected. So looking at those numbers, like is that, I basically just want you to tell me that we did great and that you're really pleased with it. <laughs> I'm very, very happy. I think for anybody that says, you know, if somebody walked up to you and said, give me a pound and I'll give you 10 pound back. Yeah. That is what the, the ROAS is, the return on ad spend. So you've met, you've got nine and a half. So yeah, essentially for every pound you put in, you got nine pound 50 back. Which is wild. And you don't get that level of, predictability and scalability in any other part of your marketing. Again, just making the point exactly like you did, it, you know, it's part of a bigger picture. The ads aren't the only thing that did that. We, we get that. But to now be looking at when we launch this again and to have the, the data that we have and go, okay, 
great, Alice, this time, if you want to spend £6,000, I'm not going to spend £6,000 next time, Matt. Don't get too excited. Why? But, you know, if you want to spend Why would you five do? times the amount, then the data tells us, and the data I'm sure you would say is something we can really trust and predict with, hey, we're then going to get a return, which is that many times as well. 100%. Absolutely. So this is where you kind of have to say when, when you're starting out right at the beginning, this is a bit of a test. Um, I'm going to have this test budget because what it's going to give me is so much data. So we now can look at every single part of that customer journey, look at all of our conversions and work backwards so we can confidently say, if we spend this much on ads, this is what's going to come out at the end. And not only that, it's looking at your lifetime value as well. So, okay, for this particular challenge, you've got that return. But if you've got your CRM up together, you can actually say, well, you know, this person then went on to buy this product and this product from me. Um, and you kind of include all of that into your return on ad spend as well. Also, you're getting a lot of information and data from Facebook around your demographics. So that will allow and help you to inform next time and how to optimize the ads around where they're placed and what assets are used and who to target. So yes. Yeah, and with you just touching on something you said there, I really feel like the, the impact of these ads is not just that launch we've had. Because if you think, okay, how many people out of those, I think just under 300 that we had joined the, the challenge via ads, okay, if you think that probably, you know, if we're just completely cutting it in half, that okay, then 35 converted out of that 300, hey, that's still 265 who are now aware of who I am in my audience, hopefully, you know, speaking about me if people need support with the stuff that I do. And Emily and I, so we're, we've got in our database now, all of those people that did the challenge. And I'm so sure that those are going to be names that we'll see cropping up future programs, future workshops, future coaching. And although they didn't convert in this first kind of call to action, I really think that it's going to be a long-term impact as well. And that's really exciting to me because if you look at the return we've had just with this launch, it's been worth it. So to think that it's going to have a, a longer term impact than that is just, it's fab. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's Makes just sense. continuing to nurture. This is what I will say is I see a lot of people that will spend all this money, £1.90 per lead. That's what it averages out across all of the different parts of the funnel, but then not do anything with them. So this is where email marketing becomes very powerful and mm -hmm. continuing to nurture that relationship. You know, you've got your podcast and I know that you post, um, send that out and, and things to your list. So don't run ads and get all of these lovely leads and then let them go cold. Keep nurturing them because yeah. they will, if not on the first time or the second time, over time they will convert. And the conversion on email is really, really strong. So people, people are still hanging out in their inboxes. Mm-hmm. Yes. not dead yet. Definitely not. It's not dead yet. I'm an email marketer lover, so I'm here for that chat. And just to end, I quickly want to mention one thing just for people to be aware of that. I feel like when I'm hearing us speaking about this, something that does get to me about when we talk about like conversion and people and our return on whatever, is it almost takes the humanness out of these people being people. So I just want to say, although we're talking all this strategy of like, well, this many are going to convert and then they're going to buy this and then they're going to be in this funnel. It's like, it's almost just that that language to me is a little bit jarring. But then when I think about it, I'm like, no, I still trust that everything they're coming into contact with, you know, it's still got consent involved. There's no pressure. There's no weirdness. So that's just something if people are hearing that and being a bit like, oh, this is a bit odd. I feel that as well. So that's okay. And in terms of where we go from here, I mean, no brainer, going to use Facebook ads the next time we do a launch of a bigger program. And I think the next thing for us to explore is what can Facebook ads do for something which is more passive and ongoing? So end of this year, start of next year, I've got a couple of courses launching, which will be forever available. And, you know, almost it's gonna be looking at the, the way that those are gonna work with Facebook ads, because if we can be spending X amount per month to just every single month be bringing this passive income in, like that's such a tool to have within the business. So I feel like that's our next beast is to try and figure out how we do it with that. Yeah, and it absolutely does work with that. I think it just comes down to the individual. There's, you know, I've got clients that just love the launch model and that they just, that's what they want to do. 
Whereas I've also had a lot of people that do the big launches and we put a load of spend behind that launch. Actually, it can be quite intense. And is there a way to kind of, you know, maybe reduce the amount of launches, but have that, I don't like the word evergreen, but you know. Just ongoing, isn't it? That passive ongoing reoccurring revenue that is that is coming in. And um, again, that can all be done in a, just, you know, you've got these people out there that do the, the pre-recorded webinars and pretend that they're live. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. Like here are 12 times today that I am doing this webinar and you're like, don't bullshit me. Like at least be honest with me, come on. Yeah, it's just that the thing is, I think, cause we're in that space, it, we see mm. it really, really obviously. But for a lot of people that aren't, they genuinely think it's like a live webinar. And mm -hmm. and the thing is, it is a strategy that works, but it's not something that aligns with me at all. And you can still do something just as good, if not better. You're doing all this sort of same stuff, but it not being, like you say, icky. Yes, in a value-driven way, for sure. So you can come back on the podcast when we figured out how to use Facebook ads for ongoing stuff. And then we'll share all of our stats and thoughts and feelings about that. That'd be exciting. I will leave all of your links below so people can go and connect with you. However, they're not allowed to all book you for their Facebook ads because you still must be free to do my Facebook ads in future. That always happens. I have people on the podcast who I work with and then people, are thankfully, like it's a really lovely thing. So like everyone go and acquire with Matt. Matt, you still need space with me. Just saying that as we've got it on record. I'm a very loyal guy, so you don't have anything to worry like. about there. I appreciate um, that. I've genuinely had loads of fun like working with you on this. I think coming from like, I think because you were quite like, it jarred with you to start with. And like, I've just seen that, that kind of transition is, is really, really cool. And obviously the results were, were, were awesome. Always happy to have conversations. So I look forward to connecting with any new people too. For sure. And hey, maybe this will give you a nudge to start putting more of your own content out because from today and just over, I think, a week, people are going to be coming to your Instagram. So no pressure. But I know. I did I did a token reel. I saw your reel. It was actually a great reel. I had I to really send you the it. link for like, uh, well, I posted it and then sent you the link for kind of approval. I honestly, I'm just going to go and find it again and just remind. It's a, like... My first reel was crap. I was kind of annoyed that it was so good. <laughs> kind of irritated me, but... Yeah, but you don't know how many hours I took spending doing it. That's the problem. That's true. Um, People don't see the time things take. You know, so you know that whole thing of like, just imperfect action, just do something. Uh -huh. um, rather than it having to be perfect first time is, is where I struggle sometimes. But yeah, I had a laugh doing it, but absolutely need to up the game. So people can come and find you and see more of your great reels. Matt, yes. thank you for joining me. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you for sharing all of your gold. And thanks for proving me wrong. You know, I actually love being proved wrong when it makes more money for the business. So I love proving people wrong. So I'd happily do it again. <laughs> Would do again. Would recommend. <laughs>